being able to tie my shoes without like getting out of breath or my back hurting. <laughs> What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and their guest. Today's guest is Sammy Jo Johnson. She is a former elite level power lifter and record setter in women's powerlifting, and uh, she is now a firefighter. She she also used to be a coach, so we're going to talk about uh, coaching. We're going to talk about firefighting. We're going to talk about powerlifting. Hope you enjoy. So, Sammy, thank you for, for sitting down with me and, and having a conversation. Uh, I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about a couple of things. You know, you are a power lifter, and um, I feel like uh, obviously here we are on Fireground Fitness, and you are also a firefighter. And so, I want to talk to you about uh, your the work that you did as a power lifter and all that kind of stuff, um, and and how you see that connection that you see that that has with the fire service, and how important strength is. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a Mark Ripito quote that I'm going to uh, butcher. He's a, an old strength coach. Do you know Ripito? Do you know that name? Yes. Yeah. And it, one of his quotes, there's several of them that I adore, but one that he said is, um, and I'm going to butcher this. Hold on one second. He said, um, strong people are harder to kill than weak people and more useful in general. <laughs> and I, um, and anyway, so before we before we dive into that, tell me about your you know, who you are and why we, why we're here listening to Sammy Joe. Who are you? So I grew up on a ranch in Northeastern Nevada. Um, ended up moving out to Arizona when I was in high school. I've rodeoed and played basketball and sports my whole life. Um, and then in 2013, um, I got into powerlifting coming from like a bodybuilding background and just general lifting in the gym. Um, and, I just fell in love with it that, you know, the strength aspect of it coming from like, I always relate it back to, you know, a lot of the societal pressures for females to look a certain way. So like when I actually got into strength training, I was like, you mean I can lift and I can eat and I can do cardio and I can step on a platform and no one cares what I look like. It's all about being strong. That became. Was there coming from a bodybuilding background? Did you feel like. So how deep were you into the bodybuilding? So thing? I did like two competitions. So, so you were pretty legitly yeah, into it. Yeah, I was were... going into my third. Um, yeah. So I did a bikini show and a figure show. Um, and then I started working in that industry, um, doing like marketing and athlete management for a supplement company. And so I kind of started to see the whole picture of that industry and it very much turned me off towards it. So when I found powerlifting, I was like, this is a holy grail. Like, this is so amazing. I can train, I can strength train, I can really just focus on that and not look in the mirror and be super unhappy with like, cause I gained two pounds overnight. So it became really cool of that. And then I did my first competition 12 weeks after I started, um, ended up doing really well and setting some state and national records, uh, went to worlds a few weeks later and set some world records for that federation that I was in. Um, so at that point I was like, okay, well, how, how long had you been powerlifting at that point? Um, so my f 12 weeks for my first competition. So a total of like 16 ish weeks. So to be clear, your <laughs> bodybuilding actually set you up pretty well. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like it very much did. And especially coming from like a background of like manual labor, like I didn't have a dad that like, yeah. was like, yeah, just do your homework. And what, I, like we had chores, we had some farm girl strength that just came with it. Yeah. Right? The yeah. Base. 
I had a very good base throughout my life, but never really like applied it to strength so much just of like, so at that point I had a really good base. So I think within probably the first five weeks of training, I pulled a 400 pound deadlift. So it kind of, <laughs> it's like, that okay, pretty strong. And I was very fortunate to have training partners because I didn't know I had never trained to max out or anything. And one of my training partners was like, keep putting weight on the bar, keep putting weight on the bar. Well, let me ask you this. So the, in the world of, of female powerlifting or even bodybuilding, did you find that there were a lot of role models or examples to follow or uh, you know, women in the gym that were training. So like, who are you even comparing yourself to? No one. So you pull uh, a 400 pound deadlift and you're like, okay, like, so, is that strong? Like, yeah, I don't even know. I right? had like, no idea. Right. Um, so when I got into powerlifting was very much in its infancy of females doing it. Like it's been around for a really long time, but it never was really popular. Mm-hmm. So I started powerlifting probably a year or two before it like blew up on social media. Um, so at that point in time, there there really wasn't a lot of people to compare myself to in, in strength-wise other than the numbers I was setting for records. And I've never been a person to like really compare, I guess is a good way to put it. To me, it was like, if I, I can't compare myself to someone else because we're completely different. We're probably different heights, ty- uh, heights. We have different body shapes. We have different genetics. You know, everything's different. So if I'm going to compare myself to someone, it's not going to be a great comparison. So it's pretty much like every meet that I went to was always about increasing my numbers and, and trying to increase um, my records and, and get higher on the ranking boards was really what my goal had become. So and I just never I've never been good at comparing myself to another person because then you start feeling like I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. So that was never for me, that was never a good motivating factor. It's interesting because that's, you know, as a bodybuilder, that's exactly what you're doing, right? Yeah. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Because you're looking at someone else's glutes and going, okay, are my glutes, you know, more defined than that other person's glutes or pack or yeah. whatever, right? They're yeah. like, it's all comparison. Yeah. And I think that's why I didn't go very yeah. far. Do You know, I, it just was not the sport for yeah. me. Which seems on one is super unhealthy. It is. Um, on so many fronts, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know, I remember listening to... Uh, a friend who is getting ready for a competition and she said, uh, you know, she, she had to take two weeks off of work because she was so weak and she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to perform at work. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that doesn't seem like a, yeah. that's a really unhealthy type of uh, situation to put yourself into. Yeah. I mean, and not sustainable for any real period of time. Right. No, not at all. Yeah. My first show. So I did bikini. I was 130 pounds when I walked on stage and mm-hmm. I'm, but you're walking around weight. So right now I'm like 170. Yeah. Um, and so, and I had lost probably 20, 30 pounds to get to, get to that. And I look at pictures and I'm like, I, I don't look like I had that much weight to lose. And I literally mm-hmm. felt like someone could break me in half. And I remember that feeling. And I remember feeling, I don't ever want to feel like that All ever right. again. Like, I don't want to feel weak. I don't want to feel like I can't do things and just function as a normal person. Hmm. So that was a big mental like awakening for me of like realizing I don't like this feeling at all. Yeah. How old were you when you were kind of in that, in that part in that time in your life? Uh, so that would have been, I think I was like 26, 25, 26, right around there. So it was, um, it was a very 
good time in my life because it was one of those I had like come out of a really bad relationship and it was like, I can finally focus on myself kind of like phase of my life. Um, and finding strength training coming from that part of like mental abuse and stuff in my relationship. When I got into that, I was like, this is amazing. Like I can lift things. I'm a strong person. I'm a strong individual. I have mental strength that just kind of like instilled everything I had grown up, grown up learning like from my dad and my mom and what my parents had instilled in me as a person. I had kind of strayed away from that. Yeah. Do you know, it's not to go off the wagon here, but it's a really interesting thing that around that age between, you know, the late mid twenties ish, we start to look back and go, Hmm, my parents actually yeah. had a brain in their head <laughs> yeah. and you start to recognize some of the things that they taught you. And now you, you start to embody those things as an adult yourself, Absolutely, right? It's really an interesting transition. I, yeah. I've got some, me personally have some kids that are in that time period in their lives. So it's really interesting to see where they're going to go next, right? Yeah. And what's going to happen yeah. for them because there's, we have, we are truly trying to figure out who we are when we're come, you know, from our late teens to our early mid twenties, yeah. trying to figure out where we're headed in our lives. So, so you find strength training or sorry, powerlifting yeah. as a, uh, an outlet and as, and you're working in the industry. So at that time, yeah. So I was working for the supplement company doing marketing and that was more like the bodybuilding side. So I was working in the bodybuilding and then focusing on the powerlifting. Um, and then when I left the supplement company, I started getting into to coaching again. I was coaching when I was doing the bodybuilding and then I kind of got away from it to really focus on my career. And then I was like, I, I miss this. So I decided to get back into it. And I, I started coaching, um, powerlifting and then just doing like general weight loss, strength training type stuff. Um, and I started to just get way more into the powerlifting part of that. Um, and I kept competing, um, kept increasing my records, kept going up in the ranks. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, I was right around third in the world um, at one point in my career. So that was super cool and got to travel a lot and compete in a lot of really cool competitions on really cool platforms. What's the most uh, exotic place you've competed? Uh, there's not really any exotic places. Like I've competed in <laughs> like Atlanta, Georgia and Orlando, Florida and um like San Diego, California, there's, you know, I mean, they're not really exotic, but, um, I've traveled a little bit to coach people. I've traveled up to Canada a few times to coach people That's and, cool. and throughout the U S and I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm totally ignorant to this, but I'm assuming that once you gain some notoriety and some ranking, right. Yeah. Suddenly you're called on like to coach. Do, yes. you, do you feel like what's your, what's your, uh, I'm gonna call you out here. What's your background academically? In, so, that, in that regard. So I did the NASM cert when I was doing the bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I came into powerlifting, what I did was I had worked with a few different coaches um, and kind of took, and I was fortunate enough to have clients that wanted to get into powerlifting and allowed me to use that space to start developing my technique and my programming. Um, so as I was going and learning from different coaches and doing a lot of research on my own, I was able to start developing my own programming system. Um, and then I did a coaching cert through the USPA, one of the federations that I was a part of. Um, but it was just very much like taking my experience and what I had known and doing research. And, and I feel like even I always kind of go back and forth on this because I have a master's degree in business and it, 
and sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not even using this. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes I'm like, that was kind of stupid. Like now I have student <laughs> loans and what am I doing? But, you know, it's always you're learning how to learn. And I think that yeah. there is a lot of things in this world that you don't need an education for. You can like a formal education, yeah. I should say. I'm with you. Um, you know, there's so much stuff on the internet. There's so many good resources. There's so many people. There's there's so much stuff that you can learn outside of a formal education in a classroom. Um, and so I really took advantage of that aspect of it um, and was able to make a very successful coaching business off of it. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, I think like the gold standard is the, uh, uh, the CSCS, right? Yes. And that has been the, you know, I think, I don't think a lot of people look at their coaches and say, well, I'm going to look at their credentials. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily. They usually are looking for somebody who they can, who, who understands their objectives, yes. understands where they're headed, is relatable, um, is easy to talk to, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like I need to be able to, um, get some good feedback from you and know that we can have a, that you see me and see my objectives yes. and are targeting, uh, your, uh, training and coaching toward me. Yes. And, uh, that's what I think of when I think of a good coach, right? Is somebody yeah. who does it. Now they have to have a good base of knowledge. They have to be contemporary and, yeah. and open-minded and willing to go and, and who are there are people who are doing work in the industry to get yes. better and get yeah. more knowledgeable. But like you said, that knowledge doesn't have to come from this formal certification necessarily. No. And some of the best coaches in the world do not have that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate to like, it's kind of a double-edged sword with the social medias. It's, you know, as you go and you compete and you do well, you gain followers and you gain that notoriety. Right. But there right. are people that have a huge following that quote unquote coach people that right. have no idea what they're doing, but use their right. following for that. And it's, it's unfortunate that people get these cook cookie cutter programs from these coaches and they're never going to get that personalized one-on-one -on -one time with their coach right. and nothing's customized for that. Right. And when I started lifting, it was, I had always worked, I worked with both. So I worked with a coach that wasn't really too hands-on. Um, and then I also worked with a coach that everything was very custom and it was very one-on-one -on -one, and it was for me and my body and my leverages. And so I took at, and that's how I coached. And I know there's a lot of really great coaches that coach that way as well. Yeah. Finding those people is, is the challenge, right? And I think yeah. that's when you are brand new to yeah. strength and conditioning or whatever, you're, you, you could almost have anybody, right? Cause yeah. the, the cookie yep. cutter program is going to be fantastic because your body's going to adapt and you're going to see some tremendous gains, uh, Gains in the gym, losses yeah. on the scale. Like you're yeah. going to see your body shifting and adapting to the the basic stressors that you're putting on yes. it, right? And um, so it's it's interesting because you can start there, but once you start to dig in and you're really starting to get serious about your training, that's when you need to seek out somebody who can actually help you individually move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so all that aside, we'll come back around. <laughs> it. We'll come back into some details, but but. But um, we went off rails here. You uh, you went from back to you. Yeah. <laughs> you you were talking about getting in. You know, you're world champion now, or sorry, you're at the top of the game rather. Yeah. And you're and you're uh, lifting, competing, you're coaching, and um, and then what? So then I was uh, approached to open a gym, um, and I was totally for it. So are you still in Arizona doing this? No, I was in California at okay. this time. Yeah. So I was approached to open a gym. Um, 
we were about a year into it and probably a few months away from opening doors. Um, and long story short, it kind of all fell apart, um, which ended up being the best thing in the world that could have ever happened to me. Um, so everything kind of fell apart. We had to dissolve the whole business. And, um, at that point in time, I was like, well, like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in California anymore. Like Arizona has always been home for me. I want to go back. So I came back. Um, and at that point in time, I had stepped away from powerlifting. I got to like, I went hard for years. And one day, like after my last competition, I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this anymore. Like I, I kind of just want to focus on coaching. I want to focus on the business. Like, I don't really know if competing at this point in time is what I want to do. So I kind of took a step back from it. And then when everything happened with the gym, I was like, I feel like this is the universe telling me something right now. Like, Hey, maybe you should listen to yourself, dummy. Like you, right. you know, you, this is what you've been wanting to do. Make that decision. Um, so I was still coaching when I moved back to Arizona. I just wasn't powerlifting. And so when, uh, when I came back from California, I basically was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have to be this heavy anymore. Cause I, I was pretty heavy when I was powerlifting. I was like probably 195. Um, and I was super strong at that weight. That's, you know, that's my strong weight. And so when I came back, I was like, I want to change my focus. Like I want to enjoy working out again. I don't want to feel like I have to be in the gym. Like I want to go do different stuff. So, um, I completely changed my focus and started doing a lot more like strength and conditioning stuff. It wasn't so much like a squat bench deadlift. Um, and like dropped a bunch of weight and just became an athlete again. It wasn't so much just about being heavy and being strong. It was being functional, which ended up really helping me for the fire department, which was super cool. Interesting. That word functional, uh, you know, it comes up a lot and it means a lot of different things to different people. Right. So when you talk about being a functional athlete, what does that look like to you? It being able to tie my shoes without like getting out of breath or my back hurting. <laughs> that was like the first thing I know. I'm like, Oh my God, I can put my socks on and it's not hard. Like this is awesome. But so <laughs> when you train in, in for strength, if you're not doing accessories or you're not running or you're not doing anything that's like, um, jumping like calisthenic type stuff, right? Your body becomes very stiff and rigid. Which when you go to do stuff like that can put you in a way of like, you're going to injure yourself a lot faster because your tendons and your ligaments, everything gets really tight. Mm. So being able to like go for a run and my knees not aching or my lower back not hurting, like that was all stuff that I was like, I I love this. I can go hike. I can go do all of these things just in my everyday life and not have my body like tense up or ache or any of that, which was super cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny the things that we, you know, like, like I'm fit, I'm training, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm working hard, but yet your everyday life, you're, you're like, I'm in pain. Exactly. And, uh, that's an interesting, <clears throat> an interesting, uh, place to be, uh, physically because you, the dichotomy between the capacity to lift heavy and then the, the routine of daily life, right? Yeah. Like, I think there's a, there's a time and a season for all things. And, yeah. um, you know, as an individual, you have to figure out where you are in your life. And I, you know, I, I look at that the other day, I was thinking about that, uh, in my own life. And I'm like, I was doing deadlifts in the yard, in the, in the garage. And I'm thinking, how heavy do I really want to go at this point in my life? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't, I probably don't need to lift 
as heavy as I have in the past because I'm not at that place anymore in yes. my career, in my life. You know, I'm transitioning into a, you know, into old age. <laughs> you know, eventually we'll get there soon, but I can see it on the horizon. Right. And so keeping that in mind, like I really want to live my, at this point, I need to seek out health and wellness and balance in yes. those things. Right. I still want to maintain some a robustness, but I don't need to be pulling you know, half a ton. Yeah. You know, not that I ever could, but <laughs> it's not even a, that was on the agenda before and I don't, it doesn't need to be on the agenda yeah. anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, so, so you started talking about the, uh, you mentioned, you know, being functional yeah. and as that relates to the fire department. So is this, at what point did you start thinking about being a firefighter and how did that even come into your head? Yeah. So when I was living in California, one of my buddies out there is a captain for Alameda County. And he was always trying to push me to test for them. And I was so focused on the powerlifting and, and opening the gym was like my, you know, my ultimate goal at that point in time that I was like, no, like I really want to focus on this business and competing. Um, and he just always had it in my ear. So when I moved back to Arizona, I took some time to kind of like, okay, let me just reset for a minute and kind of figure out where I want to go. Um, and so one day I was like, you know what? Like, it's time. It's time to do this. Um, Had you ever entertained being a firefighter before? Like, have you ever rid- done a ride along or even know. thought about it as a no, career? No, I didn't even know. Like, as weird as this sounds, like as a female, and I mean, just in general, I didn't even know it was a career option. And I had mm. never even thought about it as a career option. My dad had always like, you would be great doing this. Like he had always kind of thrown things out there. What are some things he suggested? Uh, probably like something like that, like military or fire service. And he always thinks I'd be so great on like survivor or something like that. (laughs) He always watches these shows and he calls me and he's like, you should go on this show. And I'm like, Hey, as long as he's not (laughs) suggesting like naked and afraid, right? Survivors. One thing, naked and afraid, totally different. I could never do that show ever, ever. No, thank you. Um, So it's just kind of one of those things that's like, I kind of looked at everything I had wanted in my life, in my career and everything I've ever done. I've always like, I'm meant for more. Like, this is not what I'm meant to do for the rest of my life. Like I'm, I've always been like, okay, I'm meant for more. Okay. What's next? Like, this is not where I land. Um, so when I kind of like started thinking about it, I'm like, this is everything that I would want. I get to test myself physically. I get to test myself mentally. I get to help people and I get to hang out with cool people all day and do this awesome job. And for me, I've always liked doing things that not everyone can and not everyone wants to do. Mm. Like this is a very challenging job. It's a very challenging career. And it, no matter where you're at, you can always challenge yourself to do more and you're never going to hit a, a ceiling really like there's always options to continue whether it's getting you know promoting or skills or there's just always something to learn and there's always something to get better at yeah i find myself having that conversation a lot yeah right recognizing that we are a very uh complex organization and we're required to do a lot of different things and which is really cool because you have there's so many different things you can go and do trt hazmat you know become a paramedic whatever right you can become a show an engineer and drive a truck like there's all these different things however what comes with that is this responsibility to maintain currency in all those different areas right and that's a huge challenge um uh but but um it's amazing 
it, yeah. and it makes the job interesting. You know, I look at my own the spectrum of my own career, and I've been a paramedic, I've been TRT, I've been an engineer, and I'm like, yeah. my job got to kind of evolve and 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 grow as I did. Yes, and um, the trick is you have to maintain currency. Yes. So you got to constantly be training and, and, um, which is for somebody who wants to be actively engaged in their work, it's a great place it to is. be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's cool too. Cause like every day is different. Like, yeah, we show up and we check off our trucks. Like we're there for 24 hours and you know, we usually eat lunch at this time and we usually eat dinner at this time, but you know, the filler space, everything's different. You can have an extrication call at nine in the morning and then you're running on a stub toe at three 30. Like, you know, it's just so different and every shift's different. And I realized like, am I, you know, working in an office or something like that? It just became very stagnant hmm. and it's, you know, you go in and you have the same stuff that you're doing all the time. And that gets very, like, it's easy to become complacent and I get really bored. I'm like, gosh, this is not. Which is interesting, kind of way you said earlier about what's next. Yeah. Right. You're, you're always thinking to yourself, this is not where I need to, where I'm going to land. Yeah. So what's my next opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's my one of my favorite parts of the job is not knowing. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're sitting there and like I always joke around like, hey, we're coiled springs. Like at any yeah, moment something could happen and off we go. And I think that's that's a real thing. But I and I think a lot of people do not enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> um, who you know, and they're like, I, I, I want to come to work. I want to have boundaries and rules. I want to know what my day's going to look like. Yeah. And I've always been like, oh man, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, I get to go to the firehouse today. I'm... What's going to happen? Yeah. And uh, anything could happen, and that's exciting. Yes. Um. So that's one of my that's my favorite thing about the job is yeah. that light bar is yes. is that something could happen today, and I don't know what it's going to be, and we have to be ready for that. Yeah. That's exciting and Absolutely. interesting. And um. You know, as long as it doesn't happen during dinner. <laughs> <laughs> or if the other truck goes and you get to stay in here. Yeah. <laughs> or if you get that call right when it's time to do dishes. <laughs> Don't worry. We got it, boys. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So well, what's your, now that you're a firefighter, uh, what is your favorite part of the job? Oh, I love being in the back seat. Whether it's on the way to calls and normally it's after the call. I just, that is one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is just being in there and, and talking and, you know, whatever it is that happens and comes out, like uh, talking about the call. And that's probably one of my favorite things. And I like, I've always been someone that I really enjoy being around like-minded people, right? We're very, we're all very, even though we're so different and so diverse within this department, we still all kind of have that same humor and the same outlook on a lot of things. So that humor and being able to share that with, with the people you're around has been one of my favorite things. And you get to talk a lot of shit all the time. So that's always <laughs> fun too. Well, it's, you know, putting, it's funny. It's a lot like doing this podcast. You put this headset on and, um, you know, you mentioned all oh, like, oh, this is just like being on the truck. Yeah. And that was to your point. I enjoyed being on a rig, having a headset on and being able to talk, you know, together. It would be funny because you go back to the station, everyone goes and does their own thing yeah. and you're, you know, training or you're lifting or you're training, you know, you're working out or you're working, you're at the kitchen table or prepping or, you know, whatever. And then a call goes out and everyone comes together and yeah. then you're just, you put the headsets on and everyone's chit chatting on the way to the calls or on the way back from the call or what yeah. have you. And, um, yeah, I really, one of my favorite parts is, yeah, I agree with you on yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. So, so let's talk, let's dig in a little bit and talk about 
talk about strength training and talk about strength and conditioning as it relates to firefighters. And what, what the, and I would say this extends to, we'll, we'll extend this to our law enforcement brothers and sisters, I think a little bit too, because yeah. there's, there's, there's is a little bit different demand, but the ability and the need to be able to respond and physically be capable is still there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what is your, give me your, I don't know, I'm put you on the spot here. Give me your philosophy <laughs> when it comes to strength training as it relates to public safety. So there was many times during Academy that I was like, there is no way I would have been able to do this job if I would have been in the way I was when I was powerlifting. Hmm. So I, my philosophy of training changed of being again, functional. So being able to pull a hose line, you have to think like we put our bodies in really weird positions when we're pulling a hose line or taking a plug or pulling ceiling, whatever we're doing, picking things up. Like we're in very awkward positions. So your body being able to adapt, being in a weird position and not hurting itself comes from like training unilaterally um, and also having a strong core, strong back, strong legs. Um, So being able to take on those weird positions and, and just having your body have to react, keeping you from getting injured. Um, so doing, you know, different training, whether it was like the circuits that we did, even getting ready, doing the skills courses, um, all of that helps us just get ready for our job. You talk about being in unusual positions and I, it, it reminds me, there's a couple of times when I specifically thought about how important core stability and core strength is. I climbed into a, uh, went into a firefight in an apartment complex, in an apartment. And as I, I had to go in through a window and as I'm going in through this this window is a this little apartment. You wouldn't think of hoarding in apartments, but I go into this apartment and the entire, like I, I never touched the floor. The entire space was covered in magazines. And so I'm like surfing on these slippery, wet piles of magazines that are falling down all over the place. And I, I actually had a moment where I'm like, Ooh, pull your core in, <laughs> concentrate. Like you got to concentrate on your stability right now. And that's what it kind of reminds me of, like these weird positions. And then I think about just the simple things of like pulling ceiling, right? You've yeah. got an air pack pulling down on your shoulders and your head is tilted up and you're, and then you're reaching overhead with your arms, which puts your shoulders in a really compromised position. Yeah. And your head and neck is in a strange position as well. Plus with that, you know, not to mention the helmet pulling on your head as you're looking up, et cetera. Um, all those things are, you know, compromise your normal, you know, your normal stability. Absolutely. So preparing for that is so important. So, so how do we do that? I think, like, what do you do? Like, what's the, give me an example of how we get there. I think it's a combination of, and we're very fortunate in what we have offered in our Academy. Um, so Academy doing the circuits, the skills courses, um, all the training that we do, the repetitions, the reps and sets we get in of everything. Um, but, going outside of that is maintaining that outside, right? So continuing to do your strength training, continuing to do your circuits, running, staying in shape. Cause we're, I mean, even now at Academy, at Academy, we were training constantly and now being out in the fire station, I mean, we're only there one out of every three days. So being able to go home and do a workout and staying in shape because it's with anything, you're not going to be able to, keep that up and maintain it if you're only training a little bit every every three days, right? 
So going home, going to the gym, continuing to work on your core and honestly staying, doing some yoga or stretching or something, which no one wants to do. Right. So if you can keep your body limber. Why, why does anyone want to do yoga, by the way? Well, it's hard. And you have to stretch and it's kind of boring and you don't get to like do cool things and like. <laughs> I did a, I, I did, uh, I, I did a yoga routine yesterday. I'll admit it right now. Here we are. And I was 20 minutes into it. Yeah. And my arms, I was in a downward dog and my arms were quivering. Yes. And it was like a power yoga thing. And I was like, I'm about to tap out. I, I can't, I'm going to fall on my head. I got to stop. Yeah. Um, it was impressive. And I'm like, okay, this is. Shoulder stability delore. Like this was like, man, this is amazing. Yeah. And I can still feel it today actually. Well, and I think people get like, people like to move weight, right? Especially us as firefighters, like, and people that like strength training, we like to move weight, but we don't like to step back and do a body weight exercise, mm. especially when it comes to yoga. Like we have to drop our ego and be like, okay, like this is hard, even though I'm not lifting anything. Like I have to take a moment to like chill and do this and focus and breathe. Right. So what I what I think I hear you saying is that your training needs to be objective driven, right? It's not just like I feel like we we have a we fall into this routine of, you know, squat press dead and I'm gonna go into the gym and I'm just gonna do my high school football workout that I've always done. Right. So you know, and of course working out every third day does not get you where you need to be, no. right? That, so I think, you know, in order to get where you need to be, you have to, you have to understand where you're going, Yes. right? So say, hey, what am I, what am I trying to achieve? And then reverse engineer it from there, right? And yeah. build it out. So what, how, so what kind of frequency would you recommend? So what I like to, I mean, depending right now being a booter, like we're on our feet all day, right? When we're, we're, we're on our rotation. So for me, I like to, we train, at the station, we get in one to two workouts at our station when we're on shift and I come home and I work out, um, my first day off. And then I usually try to do something super light or take that day before shift as a rest day. Mm. Um, doing that maybe like a yoga or just stretching or something to get blood flow and going, but I'm not exerting a ton of force, um, to really overexert my body. Like I'm taking that day to really focus on recovery. Cause as much as it is important to be super strong, it's also very important to allow your body that recovery time. Cause if not, then you're just continuing to wear your body out and then you're going to go to work. And then one day you're going to try and pull a line off a truck and you're going to be like, this is really hard. And it's, you know, you're, you're, you have to remember that you still have a job to do. So allowing that recovery time, it's, we always preach total wellness, right? So we preach that. So as much as you want to be in shape, you still really want to focus on that recovery of it. So figuring out kind of what day in there is best for you. Yeah. Well, and I, there's, to add to that, if you want to get stronger, if you want to build fitness, you have to give your body an opportunity to repair itself. Absolutely. Right? So there yeah. has to be that refractory period so that you can be prepared for the next uh, next session, right? Yeah. You're, you're allowing your body, you're tearing it down a little bit and then you're allowing it to heal and it's going to build up stronger, right? It's yeah. Basic fundamental principles of, of strength development. And, uh, you know, and not to mention the compounding factors of sleep deprivation and how that affects you hormonally yeah. and how that affects our ability to uh, build strength and build capacity, right? So that recovery yeah. is so, so important. Yeah. Um, I like to... Um, when I'm working on a shift, I like to do like 
I call it I, it's just like a two a day. So a workout on the way into work, on the way into shift, and a workout on the way out of shift. Yeah. And then the first day off or is a recovery period, and then you're you know you recover that day. Yeah. And then you've got like a twenty four hour cycle, and then you lift again. Yeah. So you or or train again. Yeah. Whatever that looks yeah. like, and so you're getting you know five ish work I pay on the cycle which came five days of work yeah. of training in on a seven day cycle yep with rest days yeah. sprinkled in like every third yeah. day basically so you're getting two workouts in rest day two workouts rest day and to me that works out really really well and it and then sometimes if you just need an extra work day or rest day rather you take one. add it yeah the interesting thing about um the training model is I think for what I would consider the generalist, right? Like we, we need to be the all capable, you know, industrial athlete. Yeah. So you have to sprinkle in some power training, yep. right? You have to sprinkle in some, uh, cardio metabolic conditioning. Um, you have to sprinkle in some pure strength yeah. training. And I say, I use the word sprinkle, um, because it's, I feel like it's, you can't be, just one a, a unilateral athlete you've got yeah. to be you know multi-directional in, in in your capacity absolutely yeah like in powerlifting, it's squat bench deadlift and you're training just to be super super strong on the platform for one day yeah but when you're a firefighter you have to be able to do everything right, right. you have to be strong but you ha also have to have lung capacity so you don't suck your bottle down and right. you have to be able to do all these different things and so you have to have that kind of the, just the different training styles and, and figure out kind of how to put them all together, whether yeah. that's in one workout or separate workouts. And it's kind of like the five day things I feel like it is perfect. Like when I was powerlifting, it was four. So it was usually like a squat bench deadlift day, um, depending on what program you're running. And then, um, like an upper body accessory day on the, on the fourth day. Um, and then when I switched to more like a strength and conditioning type workout, I was training, um, usually five to six times a week, um, depending again, how your body feels. If I, my body was tired, I, I stuck it at five. If I wanted to get a little something extra, I do something extra, but it wouldn't be too crazy. But just being able to have that well-rounded program of understanding. And again, kind of going back to that is your training for the job. Like we're not, we're not training to be a strong deadlifter. We're training to be a firefighter no matter what workout you're doing. So you have to look at your job and what your job entails and train for that. So, so how do you, so what are, what's a, what's a, give me a, an example of how we do that. What's the model, the training cycle? Like, oh, take your time. I'll let it so, out. The, I'll let it out the gaps. <laughs> oh, I mean, everyone, everyone again is different, yeah. right? So, my training is so let's do me oh god <laughs> uh like one of my favorite things to do in like a like a training workout is to have a, a like a strength aspect of it and then after you do that strength aspect is throwing in some type of like like strength and conditioning circuit so you're able to focus that one like core lift and then also being able to have that strength training, but also getting in a little bit of cardio. 
um, in one training session. And then sometimes it's, you just want to go for a run of being able to get that cardio in because that's very important for our job. So being able to have, you know, a session that is fully cardio based, whether you're going for a hike, you're going for a run, you're, you know, on a spin bike or stairs or, you know, whatever it is. So do you like to do like a low grade, long, slow distance type cardio or more like a high intensity interval based? I like doing both. When I'm at the gym and I'm going to do um, like a, a piece of cardio equipment. Yeah. So whether it's stairs or the spin bike or rower, I like to do sprint intervals. Um, and then if I'm going to go for a run, I'm not a very fast runner by any means. And I'm, so I'm, a member, <laughs> I'm the president of that club. So when I'm going to do that, I, I just want to run and I want to keep my pace. I'm not going to try and sprint or, you know, any of that stuff, which I, maybe I should. But, um, but I just, I truly enjoy just kind of going for a run, whether I go with my dog or I go with myself around my neighborhood. I just want to go for a run. And, and that too, just kind of like, it's kind of like clears your headspace a little bit because you're not out there trying to really accomplish you know, anything too crazy. It's just, I want to run from here to here and you can just kind of shut your brain off and you can go. And then that the challenge is with yourself throughout, you know, just keep going and, and not walking too many times on your run, depending on how far you go. Um, which I mean, I can lift all day, but if you ask me to run a few miles, then I'm going to struggle a little bit, but, but, and that's again, understanding my weaknesses as, as an athlete, as an individual, and really throwing that in. Like, I don't want to go run, but I'm going to because I understand that that's part of what I need to do. And I've started to kind of enjoy it, I hate to say, but I'm enjoying it more and more <laughs> that I do it. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think it's important to do hard things. That's a that's a whole separate conversation. But I think, like, picking up, uh, you know, fitness things that are – not super easy for you, right? Causes you to stress stress the body in a different way and expand your capacity, which I think is really important. Yeah. And you know, something like that, for example, uh, you know, the the metabolic benefit of long slow runs are is really good. And long is your relative. We're talking thirty to forty five minutes, yeah. right? Is you can go way longer, but there's consequences to that. <laughs> but for you know, for what we're talking about, building, you know, uh, systemic endurance metabolic endurance it's really important to be able to do that stuff uh at that you know 30 to 45 minute you know timetable yeah but then also uh understanding that that in and of itself is not enough yes. and doing the in high intensity intervals and getting your doing the metabolic conditioning work uh, at a very high intensity yeah. super important as well because when you when you're operating on the fire ground what's happening Right. There are times when you're working incredibly hard yes. and your heart rate is through the roof. And then you need to be able to recover from that and then have sustained moderate grade, low grade cardio yes. for the next 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. So that's where like I love going out on long runs and then doing uh, I call them fartleks. I don't know. That's a, an old term I learned back in the day, but interval runs. So you like, OK, we're going to we're cruising for 20 minutes and then I'm going to spend 10 minutes doing sprints between telephone poles or whatever. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Like I'm going to haul ass that or, or just random. Yeah. I'm going to go to the tree. I'm going to go to the telephone pole. I'm going to go to that lady pushing that stroller. Yeah. Right. Like whatever, <laughs> like you're just going to do, she, she's probably not going to appreciate that. Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the idea of ir- irregular 
regular irregularity, right? In, yes. in the in these intervals, which trains the body to be adaptive and flexible yeah. with these uh, insults that are coming in, right? Yeah. And I think we think about the work on the fire ground, the ability to redline and recover is yes. really important. So I think adding that into the training is critical. And then commingling that with strength work, right? Yes. That's what I love about when we call, we call them skills courses, right? Or I'm going to yes. do a skilly. Yeah. <laughs> and doing a skilly is so important because the stress of wearing your equipment um, puts a puts a, a one stress on the body. Yeah. And then commingling strength work with cardiovascular work, that reflects what we do on the fire ground so uh, so closely. Yes. Uh, it's, it's huge. Very important. Yeah. I'll never forget my first skills course yeah. ever. Tell me I about thought it. I was going to die. It was at 30. Um, I was riding over there on a shift and it was, I had been in turnouts one time before that. I had never done a skills course with a bottle. I had never even put a bottle on. Um, so it was the first time I had done one full turnouts. Was that with Hugh Chase and the boys? It was. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, all right, you got to suck it up and just do it. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like you just have to do it. And, uh, so I did it and they have a huge tire over there with like this narrow grip row attachment. And I'm pulling this. It's the first time I had firefighter gloves on and I'm like dying. And I'm like, okay, like you're having a hard time, but you have to figure this out. And I remember I stuck both my hands through where the grips are and like crossed my hands and just pulled it into my chest and just walked it all the way backwards. And I'm like, you know what? This is so reflective of the career. It's like, there's not one way to do anything, right? Sometimes you just have to figure it out and do it. But I remember we got done and my whole body was shaking. And I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. And then we got a call for like a lift assist of some guy that fell in his bathroom. And I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this. Like, you know, you think like, I just did all of that. And now you have to go you do your job. So it was very eye opening of like, what's to come, right? Like, these are the things that are required of you physically and training and staying on top, but you're still required to do your job. So it was like, okay, you that's something that obviously is a weakness at this point for me of training and turnouts and, and bottles and stuff. So thankfully we have pre-academy and that, and that kicked my butt too, but that yeah. was a lot of fun, but it's very apparent of what is required of you in your job. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's skills courses are a very valuable uh, asset, a very, very valuable training tool uh, for us as firefighters, it's, it's smart and it's it's important to do those on a regular, especially during season changes. Like as summer's coming, getting you know, uh, con getting your body metabolically prepared uh, for the heat yes. is really important because yeah. the load on your system is very different when you're uh, when you're working in the heat than in the winter time, right? Yes. Although, and let's be clear, we don't know anything about working in the winter here. No, we don't. Not re <laughs> not really. Not we? real winter time. Yeah, it's not quite the same thing. Um, so I know you're, you're getting back into coaching. Yes. And so what is your, you know, when you start, when you get a new athlete, what is your process? So the first thing for me is figuring out what that person wants. Um, so do they, do they want to lose weight? Do they want to focus on powerlifting? You know, what really is it that they want? Um, and from there, that's something that I can start tailoring their workouts to, um, and so I do everything through like Google sheets. 
So when I can find out what somebody really wants to do, I go in every week and I will write up programs. And a lot of them are very, they're goal-based. And then I get to sit there and like, if somebody wants to do strength and conditioning, I get my evil brain out and kind of think of what's really going to kick their butt. And so that becomes a very fun part of it for me. Um, and so writing their workouts every week, getting feedback from them. Um, when I was more powerlifting based coaching, um, and also when that was my job, I would get videos from them while they were training. So it was very much to like monitor a, kind of body angles. And yeah. Technique and, yeah. Cause it's very, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's awesome to be able to have a remote coach. So I coach everything's online. Um, so it's awesome to be able to have a remote coach, but it's also, you kind of miss that one-on-one -on -one a little bit. Mm. So it was very important for me to like, look at what they're doing and be able to tweak techniques intra workout. Cause when someone, um, every coach is different, but if, if an athlete sends you, they squatted on Monday and they send you their videos Saturday and then you have to give them feedback and they have to remember for the next week, it becomes a little more challenging and not quite as effective. Um, so being able to give that intra-workout feedback was really, really successful. Now is a little bit more challenging and all of my athletes understand my job and what I do. Um, and sometimes it's not going to be super immediate. Um, but still being able to have that hands-on, like, okay, this is what we're doing. If you have challenges with this and also being able to adapt to, Hey, this is what we're focusing on. And if an athlete gives me feedback, Hey, this isn't, this isn't really working. Or, you know, I was thinking maybe we could adjust this. Me being a coach, being able to have that conversation and adjust a few things for them to make sure it fits. Cause a lot of my athletes are moms. Um, they have careers, so they can't be in the gym for three hours if they're working out on their lunch, being able to make sure that those workouts are fitting into their life and their lifestyle and not handing them something and, and just telling them to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could do that with a Google search, right? I could go find some random workout that's yeah. going to, you know, kick my butt and, and, but it's not necessarily going to help me get where I need to go yeah. um, and target. Do you, uh, I know that a massive component of of f fitness and and physical wellness is nutrition, right? So how do you and and frankly, as a bodybuilder, yeah. uh, which I've never been, but I think <laughs> I, I've talked to a lot of them, and we t the the biggest component in body composition, yes, is nutrition, yes, right, or diet as they would refer to it, right, yeah. and and so. Um, I know that bodybuilding is, it's a very different type of thing. It's very restrictive and, and very, uh, in my opinion, unsustainable. Yes. So what, uh, when you start talking to athletes about nutrition, where does your head go? For me, it's very much like figuring out again, everyone's lifestyle is different. Um, and when they're able to eat and just kind of seeing, like, I always want to know, like, what is your day to day? Tell me for real totally be honest with me without any changes and then seeing really where they're at with what they eat every day. Cause you can get a good feel for how people are with, you know, if they're going to, first of all, they have to be totally honest with you, but then going from there and that's when you can make those adjustments of different food choices. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they're not eating enough, which a lot of people under eat surprisingly, um, there's a lot of people, especially when you start adding in all of these workouts, right? If you're eating maybe once a day, 
it's not going to be healthy for you to accomplish that goal. So being able to really look at what they do, looking at their day-to-day lifestyle and being able to just make simple changes. Cause when you start complicating things too much, that's when people don't stick to it. So if you're trying to, and then some people get super bored. Like if you're telling them, okay, like bodybuilding, eat ground Turkey and rice and asparagus every day. People don't like that sounds horrible. Like I did that for years and it's not very fun. Right. And it's not sustainable if your goal is not to get on stage and look amazing. Right? right. If your goal is just to, you know, shed some pounds, get leaner, you know, get in better shape, there has to be a little bit of flexibility in there. And just teaching people how to make better choices is really what it comes down to. Instead of having everything so strict that you have to eat this at this time. And I mean, there comes a point in time where if you really, really want to focus on a goal and you want to lose however much weight or you want to do this or that, when your goals become very, very specific. And you want to accomplish them in a very specific timeline, then that's when you need to be very specific with your nutrition. But when it comes to just general lifestyle and being healthier and and you don't have those specific days and times, then, then it's just better choices. Fruits, vegetables. Yeah. Nuts and berries. Yep. Right. (laughs) Meat, lean meats. <laughs> yeah. Right. I feel like, I feel, yeah, you know, it's funny. I feel like, uh, I read this somewhere and I don't remember where now, but they talked about if you just shop the periphery of the store yeah. and you never go down the aisles, you're going to be like 99% there. <laughs> you're so right? much better. You're just eating whole foods. <laughs> I think, and I think that's an interesting, um, place to go, right? We talk about, when you talk about diet and you talk about making good choices, the idea that, if you just eat whole foods, you're in a way better place. Absolutely. And like you can eat as many, you know, salads as you want. You can't eat over, overeat salad, right? No. You can't overeat strawberries. Yeah. You know, really, because they're so low in the glycemic index, it's not bad for you. It's reasonable and good. Yeah. And 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 it's helpful. And um. And so, the the problem is though is that life we we don't have the bandwidth to be able to eat whole foods all the time. Yeah. Right? Because like, man, I'm on the go and how do I, I don't have time to do food prep. And these are, you know. Excuses. Yeah. I mean, We're going to call is, them what they are. You have to like, <laughs> you know, if you want to do something, you got to do it. You can't, yeah. you know, you got to, if it's, if it's, you know, if you're not doing it, it's because it's not important to you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You make it a priority. Because there's usually bananas at grocery store or at uh, gas stations or, you know, there's water, there's different snacks anywhere. Yeah. That you can make a ju- water? good choice. What's water? <laughs> you mean Diet Coke? <laughs> so, yeah, you can see where my problems lie. Yeah. the uh, <laughs> So that's a really, that's a unique, it's not unique, sorry. That is a, a very big problem for people. Yeah. And, and it, it, what I mean by unique, I guess, is that it's a, uh, it's, it's, what I mean to say is it's not unique. It is something that we all deal with. We all struggle with and it, we all have various levels of capacity and commitment. And I think different times in your life, it's more of a priority than others. And, yeah. and you have more ability to deal with it than other times. And, and then the other part of this, and this is the mean, the mean reality of human existence is that your body changes and what you could do when you're 20 uh, is different when you're 30 and yeah. then when you're in your 40s it's different again and so you uh, as an individual are an experiment of one and have to constantly be reevaluating your 
response to training, response to nutrition, yeah. and be mindful of that if you want to you know, maintain control of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you just want to have a beer. You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, and I think that that's like if you're doing, if you're in control of your diet and yeah. you're doing a good job with the way you're taking care of yourself, then yeah, you can indulge, right? Yeah. From time to time in, a, you, in an adult beverage and a piece of cheesecake. Exactly. Like, you can do those things if that's yeah. what you would want as long as you're, I mean, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But, but if you're, you want to make sure that your goals and objectives are aligned with your behaviors. Absolutely. And that's yeah. so, you know. Yeah. We are not honest with ourselves a lot of times. Like, oh, I want to be healthy and I want to be strong and robust and capable. But I also want to eat this bucket of spaghetti (laughs) and this, you know, pizza. Um, Those two things do not necessarily go well together. Yeah. All the time. You got to balance that. Yeah. I had to learn that really quick uh, being on probation because we make some amazing food. So, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, and I came from like, very structured eating, eating very healthy. I became a little more lenient when I stopped competing just because I wanted to enjoy my life, Mm -hmm. but still for the most part healthy. So when I went into the fire station, I was eating food that I don't normally eat on a, on a day-to-day basis. And so it becomes very easy to indulge Mm -hmm. and overeat or, you know, get into the kitty and like you got snacks, right? Right. Oreos and Cheez-Its. And, um, I, I very much had to learn, portion control Hmm. and that became a huge thing for me because i'm like okay like i feel like maybe i might be gaining a little bit of weight and you know we're on the move all day long and but i started feeling you can kind of feel it right like you're used to eating a certain way and then you're adding in different things that aren't normally on your diet and then you can you just feel a little different a little lethargic not as much energy maybe a little heavier Hmm. um I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat all this stuff, obviously, but I have to learn <laughs> how to control myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, it's a very interesting dichotomy because you can totally control what's in your cupboard at home. Um, yes. But when you come to work, particularly in the firehouse, you have to be mindful of what you're doing because you can easily go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because everything we're talking about, uh, has a has a, a component of discipline attached to it, right? The the you know having the discipline to control what goes from your hand and into your mouth is really important, right? We're talking yeah. about nutrition and diet, right? Yeah. Very important to man- <laughs> maintain control and have discipline. Yes. And then when it's time to go and work out, it requires discipline. You've yes. got to be consistent if you want to see the the changes that you have envisioned in your head right yes. it's consistency and discipline and sometimes it's not not the most not the most fun thing to do you don't you know whatever but but you have to have the discipline to continuously try and do something yeah and most people can do the gym stuff like it's all right i'll go work out as much as you want me to but yeah. it's like okay don't eat that pack of oreos Right. Every single time we come back from a call, <laughs> like is you have to like be able to have everything in it, the nutrition and the training. And that's where a lot of people struggle is when it comes to the nutritional yeah. part of it. I I had a buddy point out to me that <laughs> that three Oreos is equivalent to an Ampa D fifty. Really? It's twenty five <laughs> grams of glucose. Oh, sugar. God. 
And I was like, so and I was like, oh, so it completely reframed my <laughs> my picture when I watch a guy eating a sleeve of Oreos. Uh, I'm like, yeah. dude, that's like five or six amps yeah. of D50. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, that's you know, you know, diabetic walking right there. Like, it's <laughs> we're in big trouble. So the uh, it it's it is important that we really are disciplined in our behaviors and discipline in what we're doing. And that is such a, that's the challenge. That's the hard part. And I think if we want to have success in our endeavors, whatever they are, but particularly with our health and wellness, you have to be, you have to set an objective, make sure you're clear with yourself about what you want to accomplish and then establish the parameters, right? Build out a workout, line out what your choices are. And then, and then every day, get up and grind and Absolutely. you know stick to the plan yeah stick to the plan you know uh the uh oh i was thank god it i am having a hard time today there's a great <laughs> quote it's uh plan plan the dive dive the plan right that's how yeah. divers say right so yeah. same thing here right plan the health no <laughs> <laughs> Plan the plan, live the plan. Yeah, you got to execute the plan. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sit down, write the plan, execute the plan, and uh, that's that is the path, right, to be to success in these things and in our yeah. strength and conditioning, in our health and wellness. It's about executing the plan, but putting a plan in place and then executing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. easy to get lost when you don't have an end goal in sight. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we're at an we're at an hour. What are any final any thoughts or any final thoughts? Oh, God. <laughs> you put me on the spot so much today. Oh. I guess I should come up with something good to say. I don't really. I, for me, it's just I've been very, I'm very fortunate to have this career. I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity. I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity to sit down with you. Um, I truly believe that everything I've done in my life has led me to where I need to be. Um, everything that's happened, all my successes, all my fails, everything has led me to this career in this department. And, and I'm very, very thankful that for that. And I'm, I'm so excited for, for everything that this has to offer. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Well, well, if anybody wants to follow, uh, your journey, um, or reach out to you for coaching or whatever, anything like that, where would they contact you at? On the gram. I am the punchy blonde on Instagram. Um, so you can find me on there. That's pretty much all I got on social media. Right it's on. the best place. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. Today. Absolutely. Hey, that's all I have for today, folks. Sammy, thank you for taking time to join us and share with us some thoughts and wisdom uh, from your experiences. If you are enjoying listening to this podcast, I implore you to subscribe to whatever platform you enjoy the most. That way, this podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you are asleep and getting some good rest. Additionally, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a rating. Much appreciated. Your feedback uh, is how we can make this podcast better. And finally, final words, go out there and move. Get your body moving. Eat some healthy food, uh, lean meats, fruits, nuts and berries, etc., and Stay on top of your physical fitness. It doesn't get any easier as you get older, I promise you. Now, go on out there and get some.